0: You're listening to the More of What Matters podcast, honest conversations for daring women.
1: I got back from my work trip. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I crawled into bed and Jared rolled over and I was probably seven or eight months pregnant and he rolled over and he said, I want you to know that I sold our house today.
0: Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Lindsay Williams. She is the co-owner and CEO of Shop Lenny Co. And what you are going to learn in this conversation is that this is not about jewelry and accessories. It is in the sense that that's her business today. But the path that she took to get here is unlike anything I've ever heard before. You're going to hear about how she started as a race car driver and was actually on the professional circuit doing this for many years. And that led to a clear nudge that she needed to move on and put her on a path that she would have never in her wildest dreams ever imagined. But what is so cool about that is that she attributes all of it to her faith and her relationship with God, which whether this is your belief system or not, you're going to resonate with her telling the story because what you hear from her is how often we think we're on one path and we get put on another one and we get shown a new direction and sometimes we're resistant to it. And sometimes it turns out to be exactly what we needed. Here's my conversation with Lindsay Williams.
1: Hi, Lindsay, welcome to the More of What Matters podcast. Hi, Andrea, thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course, of course. So I reached out to Lindsay because We've known of each other for quite some time. Our boys actually went to Mother's Day out years ago, and I never knew the backstory of her business, how it got to this point. But from a distance, I could see a lot of really cool things happening, and especially more recently, I felt like there was this uptick in things happening in your business, and also your vulnerability to share some things that were going on in your life, and that actually is what drew me to reaching out because I felt like that's. very unique blend you don't often see someone who is ambitious and growing as quickly at least from the outside it looks like you know rapid growth and then also in the same breath is willing to be very vulnerable about things happening in their family and in their life for those who don't know you can you just give some background on who you are what you do a little bit about yourself
1: Yeah, absolutely, Um, and thanks again so much for having me. This is so fun to get to do this and tell my story um, and just shed light on things that matter to me, so excited to be here. Um, My background is very strange. Um, I have kind of a crazy story um, that even at this point in my life feels a little bit like another person at a very young age, I started driving race cars and, um, that quickly turned into a career. Um, I started racing at age 14. I became professional probably around the age of 16 or 17 and then raced for almost a decade. It was very much my life and was very difficult to get out of, um, when that time finally came, which I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit as I tell my story. But, I started, I have a jewelry business now, um, but there's a very big gap between racing and jewelry and all the life that happened um, during that time. But I'm a mom now. I have three kids. Uh, Tucker is seven. Shep is almost four. And Wiley is almost two. And my husband, Jared, and I live here in Dallas and we run the brand together. That is so cool. And I know there are so many pieces of that story that left to just
0: the, the casual observer wouldn't make any sense. So let's just dial it back a little bit to that past, because I know that it does really connect to what you do today and how you've done it and how you go about running your business. So tell me a little bit about the progression. Like what were some of the defining moments that moved you out of racing and out of that identity, because it sounds like it was more than just a career. It sounds like it was all you knew for a very long time. Into this whole new space, and how the heck did you get into jewelry?
1: Right. So my story is really one about identity. Uh, my story has that has always been kind of my. Thorn in my side. That has been my anthem. That has been um, kind of the lifelong battle that I have struggled with of finding my identity. And I think a lot of women relate to that of who am I now that I'm a mom, now that I'm a wife, now that I've had this career change. Maybe it was in their choice. Maybe it wasn't their choice. It's something that I think a lot of people relate to, kind of the identity crisis, if you will. But my story with identity really began when I was a race car driver. It was more than just my career. It was who I was, what I was. I did not see that I had any value outside of that. And I was in a really unhealthy place in my life with where I placed value. Obviously, as a teenager, there's a lot of things mixed up in your heart and your mind. Uh, You think you know everything too, (laughs) which Wasn't helpful in that season, but I really began to struggle with not seeing that I had any worth outside of racing. And so at age 22, actually at age 21, I, um, happened to be living with, um, a couple who really just, they were my managers. They were older than me. They were older than about the same age as my parents. Um, they lived in North Carolina. This is when I was racing in a NASCAR driver development program. And they just took me under their wing and they showed me the gospel. They had a really healthy, loving marriage, a marriage where there was room for conflict that was full of grace and a marriage that wasn't perfect, but was very, um, always striving for better. Um, it embodied the definition of outdoing one another with honor. And I just saw that and wanted it. I wanted something different. I wanted something that was really special like that. And I wasn't finding that in racing. Um, I wasn't finding it in the relationships I was experiencing in racing and I wasn't finding it within myself. Um, and so I knew that there was something that needed to change and they, like I said, exposed the gospel to me and I accepted Christ as my savior and just totally turned my life around. Um, thinking that I could still do that while continuing a career in racing. And ultimately, with the crash of the economy and other things that the Lord was just showing me, it became apparent that I could not race and find my identity elsewhere, that they became exclusive of one another. And so um, summer of 2009, I was in a very, even though I had the Lord, I was in a very dark place in my life. It was July 4th of 2009. And it was the first time in my life that I heard God speak to me. And he told me that you're going to quit racing and you're going to go to college and you're going to have a very full life. And I didn't believe it at the time. um, But a couple days later, um, my uncle actually passed away and his funeral was out at Dallas National Cemetery. And they share a property line with Dallas Baptist University. And so we went over there after the funeral. My mom was like, I think this could be a really great next step in your life. And I was 22 at the time. And I was like, "Okay, let's go. Let's do this. Um, Started college, made some amazing, amazing girlfriends, um, started studying political science, which is what led into my um, next career. I met my husband. Um and just grew so much as a person. So that's a very long winded kind of what the story is with racing. But then, um, like I said, political science, studying political science got into the political realm um, and thought I wanted to go to law school. Jared and I got married. And I quickly thought that I would have to do something really big with my life. If I'm not going to race, I need to do something big. So I need to go to law school and then run for public office. And I want to do it quick and I want to do it young. And then we got pregnant. And I just felt God tell like, tugging on my heart and reminding me that your identity is in me and nothing else. And so I um, ended up staying home with my son when after he was born, we made some really big sacrifices in order for me to be able to do that. And then um, I'd made jewelry my whole life, but really just did it as a creative outlet. I had some friends who needed some um, something made for a conference, and I was like, I can do that. Let me help you. And so that's kind of where it all began, um, and then it was still very much of a hobby. It was called Law Designs at the time, and it stayed that way probably for about six years uh, where I just kind of did it for fun, raised my son, and... Um stayed home with my kids, had another son in 2019, I think. <laughs> and then um and then in the fall of 2020, I had an opportunity to start selling my jewelry wholesale. And I've got a story that leads into that, but um that's kind of where it all began. So that was the beginning of Linico and where we are now.
0: That's so amazing. So several of the things that you said, I want to ask you about. So you talked about how that was just such an identity that was ingrained and it, it sounds like it had been built up to be on this enormous pedestal, like, like an idol in your life where you couldn't Mm -hmm. see yourself separate from it. What do you think was the turning point for, I mean, obviously God (laughs) coming into the picture for you was the turning point, but what do you think ultimately gave you the courage to say, I know who I am enough without this to step this direction. Because I think a lot of people get into career paths or um, passion projects and they keep going down that road and they just, they never take that step away, even when it feels like it might be time or they are being pulled. And so what gave you the courage to do that?
1: You know, it's funny. I don't feel like a very courageous person. Uh, Maybe it was courage, but really... I know what it feels like to live outside of the will of God, and it is not a comfortable place to be. A long time before I actually quit racing, I knew that I needed to, and I didn't. And so I knew that I was in control of my own life at that time, and it wasn't pretty. Even after becoming a believer, I said, no, I know what I'm doing. I put my whole life into this. I have people's well-being um, invested in this career, it wasn't just me on the line. There were other people's careers that were, you know, it was other people's careers were directly involved in my career. And so I had to make that really tough decision. Um, but I, like I said, I didn't for a long time. And so that feeling of I'm doing something that I really shouldn't be doing. It's that same feeling you had as a kid when you stole a piece of gum from the store, or I stole a rock from the bank once. And I, like the a flower vase in a bank, I put the rock in my pocket. It was like a crystal looking thing. And I remember the insane guilt that I felt and the shame and just so uncomfortable. Um, and I told my mom that I did it and she drove me back to the bank and made me take it back inside and apologize to the manager. I think I was like seven or eight years old. And I just have that I had that feeling for a long time before I quit racing that I need to stop doing this. And so in other areas of my life, the second I started feeling that I knew I couldn't go any further. I was studying for the LSAT on New Year's Eve um, and this was a couple years before Tucker was born and that feeling came over me and I walked into the next room and I told Jared, my husband, I can't do this. I don't wanna go to law school and I don't wanna study for this anymore. And just, I knew in my spirit, this is not the right move for me. And he said, okay, throw the books away. We're done, like moving on to the next. And that's the same when it came to going back to work. I just knew in my spirit that this is not the right move for me. I tried, I tried to go back to work. I told the company that I was gonna come back. Um, I was working um, in a very high profile, high pressure event planning position. And I told the company and I had full intention of going back um, to work, but I knew in my spirit, this is wrong. This is not what God has for me. And I just listened to that and I followed it because regardless of fear, I can't live feeling wrong and feeling like I'm living outside of God's will. Yeah.
0: What was, because sometimes when people hear that, they're like, oh, so then you had the The glamour of being a stay-at-home mom, let me guess, it wasn't so glamorous.
1: (laughs) No, it would have been far more glamorous to go back to work.
0: (laughs) Right, I know. I, I think, I mean, there's so much conversation, both directions, you know, there's lots of ways of looking at it, but you mentioned that it was a sacrifice because obviously you were planning on having that additional income So what kind of things did you guys have to do to sacrifice? Because I think it really is good for people to hear the truth behind that kind of stuff. Oh,
1: and we are very open with this. Um, We were living in the first house that we had purchased together, and I got home from a work trip. Um, And this just is the story of my husband knowing me better than I know myself. I I knew that I was going back to work. That was it. I was going to go back to work. I was going to take my four months of maternity leave and then go back. I got back from a work trip. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I crawled into bed and Jared rolled over and I was probably seven or eight months pregnant and he rolled over and he said, I want you to know that I sold our house today. And I was hysterical. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You sold our house. He was like, actually, somebody came and knocked on the door and they want to buy it. And the only way that we would have any chance to, for you to stay home is if we sell this house, otherwise you have to go back. And I want you to have the chance to make that decision without the pressure of finances on you. Oh my gosh, Andrea, I was not happy. I was, Oh, I I bet. I was so upset. I had already planned out our nursery. I was ready to like have our life in this home. Um, and then there was like, we're moving and I'm like seven months, eight months pregnant. Like, are you kidding me? Where are we going to even find a house? Um, and we did. And I wasn't, we had to find a house that was worth a lot less than the one we were living in. And so it was a huge downgrade for me at the time of, you know, once again, finding my identity and where I lived. And Jared just constantly reminded me, if you want to have the chance to make this decision, we have to move. We can't afford our mortgage without your job. Um, and I don't want that life for you. And so he made the call. I, I, kicking and screaming, followed his lead. I'm so thankful I did. Um, and we sold our house. Wow. So that I could stay home. That is amazing.
0: Not amazing in
1: the moment. Maybe I can see no.
0: even non-pregnant hormones, but I can only imagine pregnant hormones. Oh uh, my gosh. I'd be dying. Yeah. 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 So you did it then. And that's when I met you shortly after that. So you were Building law designs on the side, or when, how were you doing that with kids?
1: It was, yeah, it was my naptime job. Yeah. I would sit on the couch during naptime and I would make you know earrings, bracelets, necklaces, things like that. And I would work sometimes after bedtime, but it was just like an Instagram business, kind of like a I had a little website, and I would sell things from time to time and go to pop-up shops and things like that. but I called it my naptime business. Okay.
0: So at that time, did you have dreams of it being bigger or were you just so loving that it gave you an outlet and you were able to focus on being mom?
1: Yeah, I've always been a dreamer, so of course I had dreams, but I just felt this underlying um reminder for me to live in the present and live right where I was. Um and God just constantly reminded me of that of, you know, your calling right now is to Mother these children and to love your husband and to be a good daughter and friend and sister. And that's your calling. And so that's what I did. And I love that because that
0: can evolve and it can shift and change. Ho- hopefully, some of those things remain, right? Like,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: mom and wife and sister and friend. But I think ultimately, it's not always so black or black and white. I mean, even when you did leave your job, you obviously started this other nap time business. And I think a lot of times, were resistant to, okay, what can that mean if I step away from this and I'm just this or I'm just that? And the reality is none of us are just one thing. And so I think it's brave that you also knew it was your calling and that being patient when you are so ambitious is really hard. Yes. You know, I, I can relate to that feeling. And we've talked a little bit and I know how passionate you are about helping others dream big. Like I've seen it. I've seen what your website talks about. I've seen kind of how you message things on Instagram. What is the work that you do attached to that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's one that I get so excited to talk about. Um, so a part of me that I think has always existed is this desire to um, meet physical needs. I want to help. Um, when a friend calls me in the middle of the night with a baby that can't sleep, I'm like, I want to kick into gear. I want to help. I'm a fixer. Um, I'm a doer. That's who I am. Um, and we just see that modeled by Christ in the Bible. I mean, look in John six, um, Jesus feeding the 5,000 meeting in need. They were hungry. And so he fed them. And so I, um, love helping others. And one of my very best friends is a mentor in the young lives ministry, And if you're not familiar with Young Lives, it is um, the entity of Young Life for teen moms. And so Tessa has been a mentor for many years in the Young Lives ministry, and I've been her prayer partner, and then just kicked in contributions when needed. Um, Jared and I give 10% of everything that we make, and so we get to allocate that to where we want it to go. Um, and back when we had no money, we still gave, um, faithfully and just felt that calling on both of our lives. And so recently, um, I was able to hire a young woman, um, who has been in the young lives ministry, who has been a mentee of my friend, Tessa. And so, um, she's coming on board and working for Lenny Co. Um, and with the help of a few others, we were able to, um, purchase a car for her um, so that she could get her kids to child care and just um, provide a different life um, and just try to break that cycle um, and uh, just come alongside and, and meet a physical need. That is amazing. I feel like
0: you have always been so intentional that your business is just an extension of you. It's not a separate piece of you, which is aspiring for many, because I think it's easy to get very in the trenches of just what is the business but all the ways your business can affect people in positive ways. That's just so awesome. Uh, okay, so what has most surprised you about full-time entrepreneurship now that that's kind of <laughs> the lane? We'll switch lanes because you're no longer doing this just in nap time. Is that right?
1: Uh, that is correct. Okay. Um, and I'll give a little backstory of how we transitioned from my naptime job to my real job, um, which is now our family business. Yeah. But um, we... In the fall of 2020, I um, had an opportunity to sell wholesale to the oldest boutique um, in Dallas County, and I did it very unsuccessfully. I got the meeting and then I bombed it. It was awful. Um, But the owner of that business graciously put me in my place and reminded me that uh, I needed to sort out my brand before I tried to take that big step. And so this is kind of the beginning of my entrepreneurial story. Um, I really look look at, you know, that fall of 2020 as the beginning of my business. Um, Even though I had been in business for a number of years, that was the beginning of, okay, we're going to try to turn this into a brand. And so we rebranded in January of 2021 from Law Designs to Lenny Co. People all the time were like, are you a lawyer? And I'm like, no, definitely not a lawyer. My initials are LAW. And so it just didn't make sense. Lenny Co. is so much more fun. Um, my dad and my best friends growing up all called me Lenny. And so Lenny Co. it became. And, um, and in January of 2021, we began selling wholesale, which is for those of you who don't know what wholesale is, wholesale is like if you walk into a boutique or a store or even Nordstrom or Dillard's or Macy's and you buy something, that business bought that product at wholesale, which is usually half off of cost, sometimes more, and then they sell it in that store. Um, And so January began a huge season in Jared and I's life of beginning this wholesale business where we were cranking out a ton more product than I ever was before. Um, But you asked me about, you know, being an entrepreneur and what surprises me there. I have to wear so many hats from, you know, packing orders, which thankfully I have an amazing team who does that for me now. Um, So I don't have to do that very often anymore. But um, packing orders, designing product, uh, doing graphic design, um, inventory management, data management, designing emails, managing the email list. I do all the customer service for my business myself. That's something that's still very important to me is that when you call, you're calling my cell phone. And even from our retail customers that buy a $25 pair of earrings to a huge stockist that has $25,000 worth of our product in their store. Um, you when you call it's my cell phone and you're going to talk to me and so that's something that is it matters to me to take care of the people that um, are trusting us with their money and choosing to buy one of our products so it's a lot but it's a lot of fun okay so you design all of the products you personally yes
0: do, who, who puts them together? How are they made? So
1: we, I design and we manufacture in um, various places. We manufacture in Colombia. We manufacture manufacture in Turkey, in South Korea, in China. Um, and so we have teams in various places. Um, we try to use U.S.-based businesses as often as we can. We try to connect with female business owners. Um, the factory that I manufacture in China is female-owned and operated. Um, I have a personal relationship with my manufacturer there. I know about her family, and we have plans to go visit her there. And so it's very connected. It's not um, something that we just send off an email and then get something in.
0: Was it hard to let that part go? Because I mean, for so long, you had been doing all of the steps, right, including making the jewelry?
1: Yes, I would hand make every single piece before. Yeah, I think that part of it is hard, but then also when you're having to, you know, we had an order last week for a chain of boutiques that is 60 units of 60 different styles. It's not possible for me to make all of that myself. right? And I think that that comes in to being a mom of realizing what really is important. And there are things that are hard to let go. I'm not going to miss mom's breakfast at my kid's school. I'm not going to miss, um, dropping them off in the morning or picking them up at the end of the day. I'm not going to miss that. So if that means that I can't make the product anymore. Okay. That seems like a pretty good sacrifice and you have to pick and choose what really matters. I mean, that's the name of the podcast. Yeah. It's funny how it
0: naturally tees itself up without, without trying, but that's, it's true. I mean, especially when you are toggling You're not, you aren't just one thing. You're not looking at your life just from the standpoint of doing what you've always done, been able to scale the way that you have, continuing to do everything you've done. You just can't possibly do that if the quality is important to you, the quality of your time and your family, and of course your business. So it makes complete sense. How do you continue to find inspiration as the primary or sole designer of these products?
1: It is probably the hardest part of my job. Um, it is really difficult to force creativity. Like when you, when, a in, when inspiration strikes, you have to go for it. So it comes at different times, but I also have to be disciplined to sit down and look at something more than once because I'm a very impatient person. So when I'm told like, okay, um, you know, market for summer is in June and we have to put our order into our manufacturers at the you know mid-April. I have to have my designs done by mid-March, and so that's for summer when we're in the middle of spring. And really, it backs up even further than that. And so, like, I'm designing for fall right now, and we're in spring. Um, and so, it is difficult to find inspiration and to force creativity, but in regards to being impatient now what i do is i design something and i put it away and then in two or three days i look at it again and i make edits and i change it and then in two or three more days i make edits and i change it until i feel like this is good i really like it i so i'll draw it out and then i'll cut it out and i'll you know put it on my ear and i'll ask you know i have a couple people that i run product designs by and then yeah. So, but if you ever That's find any, anything you like, send it my way, help me with yeah. my inspiration. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, describe your brand to somebody who doesn't already follow you. Obviously they will after this episode, but describe your brand and then where can they follow you to, to see all of this?
1: Absolutely. So Co. is an accessories company that specializes in bold jewelry and accessories that can be worn all day long. We um, pride ourselves that all of our products are ultra lightweight, so they won't weigh you down. Um, I always laughed because my mom, you know, would take her earring off when she answered the phone. And I wanted a business where, you know, you didn't have a heavy earring weighing you down. You didn't have to take it off when you answered the phone. And so all of our jewelry is ultra lightweight. Um, It's based upon the products that we use. And you can find us at com or on Instagram under shoplinico. Well, and I remember, I
0: mean, I think I bought a few pairs of earrings from you, but one of the things I remember is the size is bold, the shapes, and then the colors. And to me, that just screams like going into a new season. It's like it updates anything you wear. Like you can have the most basic lavender sweatshirt on like I have now and you throw a pop of color on your ears and it's a whole different look. So absolutely from somebody who's worn them, that's kind of was always my thoughts of like, this changes up something ordinary and makes it feel fun and bright and different than I would normally have.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. So what has gone on behind the scenes in your life, um, in some of those highest points in business? Cause I, when I talk to business owners, a lot of times they'll share, you know, this was going on in my business and we were seeing this, you know, Scaling growth, and no one would have ever known all this was going on behind the scenes. I think it's very oh, common okay. for that to be the case.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, a lot of life has happened um, for us recently. My we had a my daughter um, had some seizures last summer, and that really took us away from anything else other than our family. Um, we, uh, went on this massive health journey for her on how to get her healthy and what we needed to do, what sacrifices we needed to make. Um, and we're still on that journey. Um, so that has been something that's been hard. That's been behind the scenes, but I feel really fortunate to have, um, amazing community and people around me walking me through that. And then on a personal, on another personal note, um, Jared coming on board with Lenico has been a huge, game changer for our life and our business and our marriage. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So what does he do? And when he, when he made that decision, obviously a partnership decision, but when he made that decision, what changed most for you as the one who was doing that solely for so long?
1: Yeah, I really value and trust Jared's opinions. Um, I lean on him a lot. Um, I'm very much, I feel like our marriage is very much a partnership and a friendship. Um, And I think that the biggest change for me was that I thought he would have all the answers right away. But this was... It's still new to him. And so coming to him and saying, what should I do here? And him saying, I don't know, because Jared's the guy with the answers. Like he knows, he does his research. He listens, listens to the news. He knows what's happening in culture and in the world. And he knows his Bible inside and out. And so when I come to Jared with a question, nine times out of 10, he's going to have an answer for me. And I guess in my mind, I thought that was going to be the case here. Like, Jared, what do we do with this business decision? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? And I'm like, no, you're supposed to have the answers. Like you're supposed to be a one-stop shop for me. And that's not been the case. Um, But I think it's been a really great, beautiful season of us working together and learning together and having to grow in ways that we've never had to grow before. That's awesome.
0: What is your vision of Lenny Co in like five years? Like what would you like it to look like, especially now that you're both in the business?
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. People ask me that question all the time. And the answer is I don't have an answer for you. I, um, I think that with racing, I had such strong goals of this is where I'm going to be at this year. This is where I'm going to be at this year. And I had blinders on, I couldn't see anything else around me. And so there were other opportunities to grow or change my life. And I couldn't see them because I was so focused on my goals my problem is not uh, getting off the couch to get work done. My problem is sitting on the couch and resting and waiting for God to show me what's next. That's my issue. And so yeah. I really, when it comes to my vision for my business, I want to allow God to speak to me and to show us the way. I don't want to have this undeniable vision for where we're going and uh, be able to not be able to see opportunities around us. That being said, it has always been the desire of my heart to be an employer of people. I want to provide income. I want to provide um, an opportunity and a safe space for people to grow, um, to learn, to be loved on and loved well, um, to be given to generously. I that is really where my heart is is to be um, an employer, and so. My vision for five years is to have a big old team of people around me um, and to be managing them well. um, And that is really all that I want. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And family goals. Do you guys have like a a vision as
0: a family? Because I know now that your lives are, you know, not entangled, but you're doing business with your husband now in this capacity. Like, do you have to spend time creating separate personal vision board type goals, like very purposefully?
1: Yes. So um, when Jared joined the team in January, we decided very early on that our workday would end at 3 p.m. when our kids get out of school and that that time was precious and that we would um, not eat into that, that it was cell phone free zone and family time from 3 p.m. until bedtime. And so um, I believe that we will continue to do that and we will continue to be the caregivers for our kids. And that is something that's truly very important to us is to put our family first. And I always tell other business owners when they're struggling and they ask me, how do you balance the work life, mom life? Like, how do you do that? Um, And truly, I always say that my family gets my best and my business gets the rest. And God has blessed that, um, in a really big way and life is messy and it's hard and it's hard to keep up with kids and a business and, you know, still provide an open home for people to come into. And in, in Proverbs 14, um, it says, what is the verse, um, where there are no oxen, the troughs are clean. And we got a lot of oxen in this house between staff members and kids and us. Like this place is crazy. There's a lot going on. And so um, we want to have a a busy, dirty trough full of uh, people and living this life with us. Wow, I love that.
0: I don't think I've ever heard
1: that before. That's so powerful. And it's
0: applicable because obviously if you weren't okay with that, you might be in resistance to it. And then all the good that can come pouring in would not be, it would be stressful and it would probably make you feel anxious and it just wouldn't work. So what a blessing that you've actually seen all of the good attached to that, or you've chosen to look at it that way. Um, Yeah, for sure. Would you, looking back on all elements of things we've talked about, would you do anything differently life-wise, business-wise?
1: That is a really good question. Would I do anything differently? I mean. You can always look back on your mistakes and say, I wish I hadn't made those, or I wish I hadn't said that. Um, I think about this one boutique that did a custom order for me for game day, and I delivered a product that I wasn't super proud of, and they haven't ordered from me since. And so you know, maybe now that I'm thinking about this, I'll probably reach out to them um, and try to make things right. I think that, yeah, there's times where you rush through something or you make a decision that you're not super proud of. Um, We ask for forgiveness all the time to each other, to our kids, to anybody. Will you forgive me? Um, I didn't do my best. That wasn't right. But really, I think that my mom always told me that your mistakes are – your mistakes help you create the most beautiful parts of yourself, and I truly believe that. Um, My mom was an artist, and as a kid, she would rip the erasers off of our pencils because she didn't want us to start over She wanted us to find a way to make the ugly parts beautiful and find a way to make it work. And so that's something that my sister and I kind of have lived by um, and trying to, you know, make your flaws beautiful. Wow. That is so good. It kind of makes me want to go rip off the erasers too, because
0: it's really a lesson. It's, it's one that you maybe didn't like at the time or continue to not like when it happens right when things don't go our way I mean it's hard in the moment Uh, I think of like your husband selling the house (laughs) like how is this going to be good like how I can't see it right but there's a little bit of trust involved there and and then you you keep moving forward what I mean I feel like I have a glimpse because of how you've answered this up to this point but what matters most to you in your life right now
1: so honestly my marriage My marriage is the most important thing to me outside of obviously my relationship with the Lord. But if Jared and I aren't right, then this ship does not stay afloat. Um, And so I think that realizing, you know, asking my kids, who does mommy love the most? And if they don't say daddy, then we have a problem because they need to know that he is the most important thing in my life. And so this has just been a season of, you know, the past couple of months with Jared joining the business, it's been a season of trial and error, a lot of mistakes. Like I said, a lot of asking for forgiveness, a lot of having to over communicate. Um, Jared's first week, we were in the bathroom getting ready for bed and he was telling me how he wanted to start doing data management and how it was different than the way I was doing it. And I'm just sitting there brushing my teeth, nodding, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yep. And he looks at me and he's like, you don't like that idea. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I can see it on your face. You don't like the way I'm talking. You don't like this idea. And I'm like, I think we're having two different conversations because I think it's great. I I really, And when I say it's good, sounds good. Like, I mean it, it sounds good. And he keeps brushing his teeth and he, you know, spits his toothpaste out and he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I think I'm negatively interpreting you a little bit. And that was like immediate resolve, but a lot of times it doesn't look that pretty that quickly. And I think that it can be really difficult, um, when you're trying to communicate with someone that doesn't necessarily communicate the same way as you do. And so that's why I just think that my marriage is the most important thing in my life right now. Um, and hopefully forever because, um, without us working well together, like I said, this ship will sink
0: for sure. All right so I something I like to do with all my guests on the podcast is to ask some lightning round questions because I always when I listen to podcasts, I always like to hear a little bit more of the, the story of the person behind the conversation and I think in this case you've already shared so much behind the scenes that it's kind of fun to think there might be more. so let's just'm just ask you some of my favorites. So what's a part of your morning routine that you would just never miss?
1: I like to get up early before everybody else does. Um, I really, honestly, that hour is probably my most productive hour of my entire day. Um, and what time is that? Usually my alarm goes off at five forty-five, and I okay. like to, um, so I'll get up. Um, I have to brush my teeth, wash my face, and then just like throw my robe on go to my desk, um, spend a few minutes in the word, uh, work on my devotional or my study, whatever I'm doing. And then I like to have a clean inbox to start the day. So if there's emails that um, need to be replied to that'll take longer than a few minutes, then I'll flag those and I'll put them away for later. Um, But I really like to have a clean inbox to get the day started. So that's usually how I get the first hour done.
0: Yeah, and then you hear little feet, and you know that your day is off to a fast start at that point. Always. <laughs> and you and your husband they kind of share some of those responsibilities, I'm guessing, just from things you've said.
1: Yeah, so we do all of it together. Jared is very much Mr. Mom. I think in some ways he has more maternal instincts than I even do. Um, but he is super helpful. And when I'm traveling, um, at, you know, various markets, like in Nashville or Vegas or Atlanta there, I don't have to leave instructions for Jared. Like he knows what to do. He knows how to cook. He knows how to clean up the house. He knows how to get the laundry done. And we kind of just tag team everything and do it all together. So I'm very fortunate that I made, I married a very, very, uh, helpful man. Thank you, mother-in-law. (laughs)
0: and hands on because you can't always teach somebody to roll up their sleeves and just jump in
1: totally jared is actually the one that does the homework so he works with tucker our oldest and he's the one who does the homework um which is really great um and then i get to hang with her other two while they're getting that done yeah
0: that's great. I mean, you have to find your, you have to find your rhythm, I think. Yes. And then when elementary school is like a whole different dance than preschool totally. is.
1: Totally. Yeah. So yes. is he in first grade? Tucker's in this? first grade. Yeah. Okay.
0: Nice. Okay. So how much sleep do you get a night and what time does that mean you go to bed?
1: Um, in a perfect world, I'm in bed at 8.30 reading or watching a movie or something, lights out at 10, waking up at 5.45, six o'clock. But Usually, it's like asleep by 11, getting woken up every hour of the night, probably by somebody. You know how it is. I know. It's really
0: hard to even answer that question sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, it really I is. know everybody like, has those, the, you know, the trackers, like the aura rings and different things. and Yes. I've considered that before. And then I'm like, I don't know. It might be depressing. It might be kind of hard.
1: I know. I'm like, I don't need to know. My husband uses whoop. He wears a whoop every night and he'll tell me like, Oh, I got 80% recovery tonight. Or, um, last weekend when he was on a golf trip with the guys, he sent me a screenshot of his whoop and it was like, 20% recovery. And I was like, yikes, you got too much sun, didn't you? Like you were too hot you couldn't sleep, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't need to know. That's too much information.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Sometimes less is more when it comes to that stuff.
1: Yes. Okay. So
0: what's a dream that's still left inside of you that you have, that you just feel like you have to pursue?
1: Um, so I was mentored very early on, um, by, um, a friend of my old boss, And he owns a menswear company. He probably wouldn't even know that I would consider him to be a mentor, but I've just kind of followed him. Um, He gave me some really great advice early on about um, discounting my product. And that when you start discounting your product, that becomes the value of what people are willing to pay. And he owns um, a very successful menswear line called Miz in the main. And he, um, I still follow his podcasts and, We'll listen to you know, all of his advice that he gives. He is such a brilliant entrepreneur, um, but I would really like to do that for others. Um, I would really like to specifically help brands transition from an online retail business to a wholesale business. I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot along the way, and I really like to impart that wisdom to other brands and then um, partner with other female business owners in order to do that. So um, I would really like to do that one day.
0: That makes so much sense. It's also goes back to like the moments that were hardest for you become defining moments of brilliance, right? Because that was a hard moment when you heard that feedback. Yeah. And now it's kind of catapulted your business to the next level. Totally. That's awesome. Okay. So what's something that those of you, those who know you well would say you're incredibly passionate about?
1: I would say probably very passionate about, I think meeting physical needs, um, showing up that when I get the SOS call, I'm there, um, drop everything, whatever is needed. Um, and, I think whether that means, you know, helping someone out financially or helping someone, like I said, sleep train their child, like I just want to help, um, where I can. And I'm one, I'm one very quickly to say like, Hey, I, that's not my area of expertise. I can't help you with that, but let me find you someone who can. Um, I also feel like I have this, um, knack for finding jobs for people like, my friend, you know, she needs a job, uh, what are her skills and then getting her connected and helping her get a job. I love doing that. I have a lot of relationships in the Dallas business community. And that's something that I've really loved doing, um, and been pretty successful. Got a pretty good track record now. I think I'm going on like 13 or 14 that's awesome. um, jobs that I've helped people find. And I just love doing that. Like, I think it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, and it's impactful and it's, it's a ministry really. I mean, so many people don't yeah. even know where to begin. Totally. Okay, so what's something you're not passionate about, but
1: you still have to do? (laughs) Social media. I hate social media. I am not good at it. I uh, don't have time for it. I feel like it is just exhausting and it drains me and it is not fun. And so I spend a lot of money each month paying someone to do that for me. Um, and I think that comes back to just knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that I'm not, like I said, I'm not a super patient person and to be successful with social media, you have to be meticulous. You have to be patient. You have to, um, that has to really be your niche. And so I'm so thankful. Um, I use Chandler DiNardo for my social media. She is phenomenal. I cannot recommend her more highly to other brands, but that is something that I don't love doing.
0: I love that you don't gatekeep, like you don't keep things to yourself that are working so well for you in the hopes that somebody else won't get that resource. You're very like, I want you to know who this person is and that person. Yes. And I say that because it's it's actually really refreshing. I don't think all communities are like that. I mean, I'm fortunate I'm in a community with my business outside of this that is that way, but I often talk to other entrepreneurs and it doesn't feel... Like that's always the case, and that's isolating. But it also just makes work ten times harder than it has to be. Because if you already yeah. know the person, and it blesses that person to get more business too, totally. right? So, totally.
1: Yeah. Well, and I always say, like, you know, when people are like, "Oh my gosh, so and so," you know, they send me a post like this person's knocking off your your designs, and uh, it does not bother me. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, oh come on, guys, like we could do better yeah. than that, but there's room at the table for all of us. Like there is so much business to be had Um, right now. I feel really fortunate um, and I just feel like there is, there's room at the table for all of us and we don't have to be um, competitive. We can collaborate instead. And so I work with a lot of other jewelry owners um, and while we may have like different products, we do share similar mindsets of this resource, this resource, this resource, use this, don't use that. Um, and I'm very open about all of my relationships. I love that your heart just like spills
0: over into all of this, and it's so clear to see who you are as a person. So,
1: oh, you're so congratulations
0: sweet. on just all your success and continued success. And I definitely always love to follow anything you're doing. It's Chaplinico on Instagram, and um, everyone go check it out.
1: Thank you so much, Andrea. You're so sweet, and um, I wish you the very, very best. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you share this episode with someone who you think will connect with some part of Lindsay's story or our conversation. It means so much when you share the podcast, tag us on social. Of course, I'm always A on Instagram, and More of What Matters podcast is the handle for the show. And I love hearing your stories. So many of you recently have been reaching out, giving me such great ideas for guests and episode topics. And I think it's starting to percolate. Like, more of what matters can be a little bit of so many things. One thing that I'm really finding is that as you talk to people about their stories, you think you're talking to someone about a business or an idea or anything really. And what you discover is the person sharing that information brings so much individuality that you get to get so much further into the conversation than just what you're talking about. So today's conversation, for instance, I wasn't just talking to her about jewelry and the making of jewelry and owning a business and entrepreneurship. We talked about so much more, and that is part of more of what matters. I hope that you feel a sense of community here and a chance to connect in, share your ideas. And of course, I always appreciate a rating and a review so others can find the podcast. Have a fabulous week.